0: In our study today, we're gonna be looking at Galatians 6 verses 14 through 18, and our theme today, the battle scars of a faithful soldier. I have known people that have been privileged to serve in the military, as you have. Some of you here today, you have been privileged to serve on the front line our country and how grateful we are for the many sacrifices that have been made so that we might enjoy freedom. The liberties that we enjoy in this country are not free and how grateful we ought to be for those. Many of us have known and have seen individuals that because of their service in the military have come away with A lot of physical disabilities, some even emotional, others, mental disabilities. There have been people that have given their life for our country. Some have been horrendously disfigured. Others have lost limbs. Some are facing emotional trauma, mental trauma that, quite frankly, they'll never get over. In Galatians chapter 6, we read about one of God's great servants. And as I look at this text, I think about the battle scars of a faithful servant of God. And I'm talking about Paul. Paul, as you well know, had the opportunity to serve the Lord in a lot of different places. He faced any number of circumstances that would have caused others to walk away." Paul was a man of great strength and courage, a man of conviction. Paul here alludes to some of the scars that he bore in his body for the cause of Jesus. As we look at this passage of Scripture, I want to begin by talking about Paul's connection to Christ. What we have to understand is, when you look at the life of Paul, Paul's life was woven, hand in glove, hand in glove as we say, to the Lord Jesus Christ. In Galatians 6.14, Paul would say, God forbid that I should glory, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is a monumental statement because Paul here is talking about the intimate relationship that he had forged with the Lord Jesus. There are some things that stand out in my mind as I think about Paul and his relationship to Christ. Paul in this context talks about the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul knew the person of the cross, didn't he? You say a lot of things about the Apostle Paul, and I would grant that Paul at one time did everything within his power to destroy those who were followers of the way. But once he became convinced of the Christ and the significance of his cross, he became a tremendous proponent of Christianity. He knew something about the person of the cross. You remember in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 at verse 2, Paul said, I determined not to know anything among you except Christ and Him crucified. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, in verse 12, Paul would say, I know whom I have believed and am persuaded. Could I ask this question? How well do you know the person of the cross? It's one thing to talk about Christ and the cross. It's another thing to read about Christ and the cross. But it is altogether different to know the person of the cross. I'm convinced one of the problems, one of the struggles that we face today, there are a lot of people who claim affiliation with Christ, but they really don't know Him. They don't have an intimate relationship with the Lord. You look at Paul's life. He had a very intimate relationship with the Lord. So he knew the person of the cross. Not only did he know the person of the cross, But I suggest to you, he knew the purpose of the cross. In Galatians chapter 1, Paul, in his introductory statements to the churches of Galatia, talks about God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, "...who gave himself for our sins." Paul knew about the purpose For which Jesus Christ came into the world. Now the angel of God announced that purpose in bold letters to Joseph, didn't he? When he said, That which is conceived in Mary is of the Holy Spirit. She shall bring forth a son. His name shall be called Jesus. And he will save his people from their sins. Paul knew the purpose of Christ coming to the world. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, Paul said, This is a faithful saying worthy of all acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. And you can talk about all the things that Jesus did in his life, and he did a lot of great things. But his purpose was to save people from sin. Didn't he say in Luke chapter 19, I have come to seek and to save the lost. Paul knew the person of the cross. He knew the purpose of the cross. And he knew something about the power of the cross. Listen to him again as he writes to the church at Corinth. Paul said, We preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus our Lord, and ourselves as your servants for His sake. Why do you think Paul preached Christ and Him crucified. Because He understood that Jesus was and is the Savior of the world. The drawing power of the cross. Wasn't it Jesus that said, and I, if I be lifted up, will draw all people unto Myself. When you go back to Golgotha and you see Jesus as He hangs upon the cross, His body welded to those wooden beams. Dying for the sins of the human family. Listen to Him as He says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Is it possible that we really don't know the person of the cross? That we really haven't paused to think about The purpose of the cross as it applies to our own lives. And the power of the cross. We live in a lost and dying world, don't we? Didn't John say the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one? And you look at what the devil is doing in the world, in our country, in the home, in the lives of people today. And you see people whose lives have been ravaged by sin, whose lives are being destroyed by the devil. And Paul recognized the power of the cross. That is the only power that can redeem people from a life of sin and bondage. Paul would talk about people who are taken captive by the devil to do his will. It's only by the power of the cross that people can escape the scourge of sin and the consequences of a life of sin. There is a second thing I would call your attention to. First, we talk about Paul's connection to Christ. But then he speaks of his crucifixion to Christ. Listen to him as he talks to the churches of Galatia in verse 14. God forbid that I should glory except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. When you think about crucifixion, what comes to your mind? What ought to come to our minds is death. The cross signifies death. And Paul here is talking about the death that took place in his own life. Paul had to die to self. And if you're going to live for Christ, and He's going to be what He ought to be in your life, you've got to die to self. I understand. That is easier said than done, isn't it? Jesus, during His earthly ministry, said, if any man will come after Me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow Me. There are a lot of folks, Christianity is appealing in a lot of ways. But the idea of subjugating their life to the Lord, that's not going to happen. Paul here is saying, I had to learn to subjugate my will to the Lord's will. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So what about our will? In our day and time, we are so used to having our will and our way. It's hard to get out of that mindset, isn't it? You know, a lot of times in life, we'll talk about the Lord's will be done, but really, when it's all said and done, we want our will to come to pass, don't we? You go back to the Garden of Gethsemane and you see Jesus wrestling with the weight of the cross. Jesus is praying to the Father. And Jesus in that context three times says, Not my will, but your will be done. Do you think Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane was teaching us something about submission to His will? Subjugating our lives to His life? We talk about sometimes God is our co-pilot. If God's your co-pilot, then listen, you need to get out of the seat. God does not want to be your co-pilot. God wants to be your pilot. He is either the Lord of your life, he's the one that reigns and rules in your life, or he doesn't. There's no middle ground. You either die to self, and you die to your will, or you don't. You know, we live in a day and time when we compromise and we make concessions for a lot of things, don't we? There's no middle ground in Christianity. You're either in or you're out. You're either for Him or you're against Him. It can't be both. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 24, No man can serve two masters. It is an impossibility. Is it possible we give the Lord lip homage when it comes To subjecting our will to His will. Paul's saying, Look, I had to die to self. If you want to be a child of God and you want to be what God wants you to be, you've got to learn to die to self. It involves your will and it involves the world. Here's where we get in trouble. Number one, we don't want to relinquish our will. Number two, we're not willing to relinquish the world. Paul said, God forbid that I should glory, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified unto me, and I unto the world. Paul's saying, look, those who are Christ have crucified the flesh, with its passions and lust. Do you know how the devil gets a foothold in your life? And how he keeps a stranglehold on the lives of believers? He does it through the world. And he is so subtle. Sometimes the attack is so subtle and the move is so subtle. We don't realize, number one, that we haven't given up the world. Or number two, we're back in the world. Either are fatal. You can't live in the world and be faithful to God. Now, we, granted, we live in the world, but we're not of the world, are we? Do you remember Jesus In John chapter seven, Jesus said, the world cannot hate you. He's talking to his disciples. But he said, it hates me. And why is that Jesus? He said, because I testify of it, that its works are evil. We are living in a world today We are living in a nation today that in many respects is hostile to Christianity. And you start standing up for God and His Word and His people. And you will become the brunt of attack, won't you? So what some people try to do is compromise. There are a lot of things that are going on in our world. And you look at all the problems that we're facing in our country right now. There is not a problem we face in this country. Socially, racially, politically, whatever. The answer is the gospel of Christ. That's the answer. That's it. You want to remedy the world's problems and the problems we face in America, it's the gospel. That's it. There is no other message out there. So when you stand up, and you tell people, look, this is the truth. You know, Jesus said the truth shall make you free, won't it? Do you know why people are living in bondage today? Because the devil has got a sway in their lives. Sadly, there are people in the church. The devil is holding sway over them. and They haven't come to understand something about Dying to self, dying to will, dying to the world. Paul saying, "Look, I've given the, my will up. I've given the world up." There is, as I said a moment ago, Paul saying, "I have died to self. Have you? Have you died to me, myself, and I?" it is a lot harder to do than we think it is. There are a lot of times we fool ourselves. And we talk about living a Christian life, and we talk about living a committed life. But I'd ask just how committed are we? Didn't Jesus say, by their fruits, you shall know them? Paul died to self? Yes. But then note if you would, there is deliverance from sin. Paul said, in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. One of the real problems that Paul deals with in the book of Galatians, there were Judaizing teachers that were wrecking havoc upon the faith of God's people. Some were moving away from the purity of the gospel. There were Judaizing teachers that were making circumcision an appendage to the gospel. The apostles deal with that in Acts chapter 15. Not only did Paul deal with that, but they were undermining his credibility as an apostle of Jesus. You go back to the first century, and we talk about racial problems in our world today and in our nation. And we have have problems, as you well know. If you think this is new, you are sadly mistaken. If you go back to the first century and you look at the context of the Jews and the Gentiles, see what they thought about each other. They hated each other. The Jews looked upon the Gentiles as dogs. The Samaritan people had been carried into, or rather, the Samaritan people were a half-breed. They were Jews that had been carried into Assyrian captivity back in 722-721 B.C. They had intermarried. So in John chapter 4, when Jesus has a conversation with a woman from Samaria, that was radical. And John said, the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. What I'm saying is, this problem is not new. And I want you to understand something, and please do not misunderstand what I'm saying. There are a lot of folks in our nation today that are intent on pulling down monuments and statues from the past. The problem is not the monument or the statue. Do you understand what I'm saying? The problem is the heart. Until you change the heart, you haven't done anything. Jesus said, as He thinks in His heart, so is He. The remedy for racial problems in this nation is the Gospel. That's it. Paul dealt with that. You're talking about Jews and Gentiles forging them together in one body. The problem we have in America, the problem we have in the world, the problem is the heart. That's it. That's why you want to talk about real change, affecting real change in our nation. You've got to preach the gospel. That's it. That's it. And these knuckleheads in Washington don't understand that. They don't. I don't care if you're a Democrat or a Republican the answer to our problems in this world is neither party. It's The gospel. That's it. Can we understand that? We get so mixed up in politics. Listen, turn the news off. Read the Bible. We get so caught up in politics, we forget who we are and whose we are. And Paul's saying, in Christ... Neither circumcision or uncircumcision avails anything. doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, you're in Christ, you're in the body. And you're on equal ground. Paul said in Galatians chapter 3 there's neither Jew nor Greek, bond nor free, male or female. For you're all one in Christ. And if you're Christ, you're Abraham's seed, heirs according to the promise doesn't matter if you're black, white, or polka-dotted. If you've obeyed the gospel of Christ, you're in the one body and you belong to the Lord. And there are no big eyes and little U's. That's what Paul's saying here. And Paul is defending the gospel, the purity of the gospel. He is defending his apostleship. And Paul here is saying, the remedy For the problems that we face in this world is the gospel. I hope that's clear. And if you have misunderstood anything I've said, I'll be happy to talk to you. I can make it a lot plainer. I really can. And maybe I don't make it plain enough sometimes. But I want us to understand something about Paul and the gospel. And the freedom that we enjoy in Christ. The gospel is for all. All. I want to ask you a question. In the eyes of God, does He place a premium on souls? Yes, He does, doesn't He? You remember the song, Jesus Loves Me? This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Red, yellow, black, and white, they are precious in His sight. Is that true or false? It's true. We are all precious in the eyes of God. Paul knew that. Paul in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 said, Speaking of Christ who loved me and gave Himself for me. The Lord gave Himself for you. He died for you. There's a third thing I want to share with you. And as we look at our third point, we've talked about his connection to Christ, his crucifixion with Christ, but now his consecration to Christ. Listen to what he says in verse 16. As many as walk according to this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. The Israel of God is the church. Under the old covenant, Israel was a special nation, God's special treasure. Today, God's special treasure, God's special nation is the church. So in Galatians chapter 6, Paul says that we all walk by the same rule, the same code of conduct. It's the gospel. But then look at verse 17. From now on, let no one trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Let's talk about his mission for a minute. Do you remember back in Acts chapter 9 when God told Ananias to go to a fellow by the name of Saul? Initially, Ananias was apprehensive about going to Saul because he said, said, I've heard from many about this man. He knew the reputation of Saul of Tarsus. And yet God said, go your way. He is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. In Acts chapter 26, when Paul recounts his conversion to Christ, he said that The Lord Jesus in the long ago said to him, I have appeared unto you for this purpose, that you might be a minister and witness of the things that you have seen and of the things I will yet reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people and from the Gentiles to whom I now send you. And why is that? To open their eyes in order that they might turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God, and receive forgiveness and an inheritance among all those who are sanctified by faith in me. Paul here said, look, I had a divine purpose. My purpose was to preach the gospel. That's what I'm all about now. Paul is writing to the churches of Galatia, which would have consisted of Antioch and Pisidia, Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, Derbe, that southern portion of Asia Minor. Paul here is saying, because of my mission, I bear some marks in my body. Now the word marks here in the original, it can refer to what we would call a tattoo that was tattooed on the body of a pagan. And the name would typically be that of a pagan god. It can also refer to the branding of a slave. Thirdly, it could refer to physical marks or scars that are upon the body. I think what Paul is saying here, was Paul a servant of God? Yes, he was. He was a slave of God, wasn't he? And Paul acknowledged that the God that we serve today was the God of his life. But I think he's talking about his physical scars for his body, or rather, physical scars for his service in the cause of Christ. I've got a lot of scars on my body. And I can look at certain places on my hands. I can look on my face, and I'm reminded of a sled wreck, an automobile accident, a fight that I had. I've got scars. But Paul's saying, I have scars because of my service to Christ. Do you remember in Acts chapter 14 when Paul was in that southern region of Galatia, in Lystra, and he was stoned? Imagine being stoned. In Acts chapter 16, we read about the Apostle Paul along with Silas having many stripes laid upon their backs. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul would say, three times I was beaten with rods. Sit with Paul for a while. Let him tell you about the scars on his hands and arms and legs and back and chest. One writer talked about the permanent disfigurement of Paul. I really believe Paul had been so abused in his physical body that you could have identified him by his scars. Would you be willing to suffer that much for the cause of Christ? Today we may receive verbal taunts, but we're not physically Whipped like he was. Paul said he had 195 stripes laid upon his back. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine how badly that would have hurt? Or in Acts chapter 16, I alluded to it a moment ago, when many stripes were laid upon his back, then his feet are fastened in stocks. How did he react to that? Was he bitter? Was he angry? Was he upset at God? No, the Bible says at midnight he prayed and sang praises to God. Why was that? Because he was consecrated to God. Paul here is saying, look, I bear the marks. You want to know something about my apostleship? You want to know something about my service to the Lord? It is a badge of honor. To be a Christian is an honor. we might not necessarily be great messengers but listen we have a great message don't we the message that we preach and teach is the remedy for all the problems that we're facing in our world primarily the sin problem the problem we're dealing with whatever the problem in many respects it just boiled down to one thing sin Paul said all have sinned and come short of the glory of God But through Jesus, we can have a new life, can't we? You know, you may be here today. Maybe your life hasn't necessarily gone as planned. You know, sometimes we make mistakes in our younger years, and we pay for them as we grow older in life, don't we? Sometimes we find ourselves sitting in a place where we never intended to be with people we never dreamed of being with. Sometimes it's tough making it day by day. I don't know where you are in your life if you're happy, sad, content, discontent, satisfied, dissatisfied, but I know this, the answer to whatever problem you have, it's the gospel. There are a lot of people in our world today I'm just telling you, there are a lot of folks in our world today, they would love to have a a second chance, wouldn't they? I, I would love to have the opportunity to go back and do some things differently in my life. Not possible. While I can't go back and rewrite history, I can change the direction of my life. The new birth will give you a new beginning. And once you get in Christ, you can be a difference maker in this world. We need difference makers in the world, don't we? All of us working together, joining hands. We're God's people. God loves each and every one of us and every single one of us, not just here today, but in the world. We're all special in His eyes. So if you're here today and you're not a Christian, I encourage you to come to Christ. Believing that Jesus is who he claimed to be, the Son of God. Paul believed that. That you would be willing to repent of your sins, confess his name, and then be immersed in water so that your sins might be washed away, as Paul's was by Ananias and the instructions given him in Acts twenty-two sixteen. If you're here today and you're not faithful to his cause, could we plead with you to come home? Come back to Christ, to give Him your life once more. If you need to be restored, we encourage you to come as we stand and sing.